you're tuned into Decay Mag Podcast Online source for horror, thriller and sci-fi entertainment news Welcome ladies and gentlemen to another podcast episode DK Mag Podcast Season 4 Episode 3 And in this podcast we're going to have a lot of information on some upcoming films and also we will be providing some exclusive interviews with director Sandy Robson, actress Bowen Smith, cinematographer Byron Kopman and collaboratively they worked on the upcoming sci-fi thriller Skyquakes. We also will be presenting a past interview with Benjamin Cooper. Benjamin Cooper's latest release is Edgar Allan Poe's The Lighthouse Keeper. So stay tuned for that. And my name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com. And my co-host this evening is... Stacy Cox, a staff correspondent for DKMag.com. And you could find us on iTunes and Stitcher and across all social network platforms, but also be sure to visit our website at dkmag.com. That is D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com. Rabbit Reboot. All around her, people are dying. And only Rose knows why. You gotta come quick. You gotta come quick and get me. Rabbit is gearing up for production. The 1977 film was directed by David Cronenberg. It will get a modern adaptation headed by the twisted sister duo, Jen and Sylvia Saska. The original Cronenberg film follows a young man who develops a taste, a young woman, young woman who develops a taste for human blood. After undergoing experimental plastic surgery and her victims turn into rabid, bloodthirsty zombies who, prove, who proceed to infect others, which turns into a citywide epidemic. The Saska sisters' adaptation will have a new perspective and social commentary. The Saska sisters say, and I quote, we have a unique perspective just because of who we are to tell the story from Rose's eyes, as well as make a commentary on the increasingly rabid world that we live in. It's not like the Saska sisters to delve into remakes, and even they say themselves that they don't like to. But these are the minds that gave us American Mary, and they have been out of the game for quite some time. In regard to their television show, Elevator, it's been a while since we last seen from them, and I am excited that they are coming back. Ken, what do you think? I love the Soska sisters. Um, their persona, they seem to be very down-to-earth. They always communicate with the fans on social network, and that alone tells a lot about a person. From a, pers- from a professional perspective, I was fortunate enough to see their first film, American Mary, during the screening of it here in New York City at Lincoln Center. And at that time, the uh, the Soska sisters were unknown. And this film just was phenomenal. 
And it's cool to see women in horror evolve from, you know, stumbling uh, big bosom blondies to now they're working behind the camera. They're becoming producers and, you know, a huge contribution. Uh, Rabbit. Have you seen this film, uh, the original film, uh, Rabbit, uh, Stacy? No, I have not. <laughs> That's gonna be your cue. No, I have that. <laughs> um, it's I a yeah, <laughs> it's a crazy. Um, I'm not gonna say zombie film. It's it's an infection film. Like 28 days or weeks later, it's an infection instead of zombies. Uh, that's my opinion. Somebody else could have a different opinion, but it's very freaky. And they were giving this movie on cable over the weekend because I believe the anniversary for this film uh, occurred last week. So that's that's pretty cool. And uh, I think the Suska sisters are going to do justice with this concept. Um, they, they have a good track record. They work with WWE with some low-budget films. Um, you've seen um, See No Evil, correct, Stacy? Yes. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, as long as they keep it uh, with social commentary, with not-so-crazy nonsense, and they stick to the story, I think this is going to be a good sequel and a good reboot. What do you think about that, Stacey? Are we contradicting ourselves with this reboot stuff? We, are we going to like this one? Are we looking forward to this one? Um. Well, I said we might be contradicting ourselves a little bit um, when it comes to reboots, reboots. But I always say that um, my problem is not really reboots per se. It's how, you know, directors go about it. And a lot of directors just don't give the original films justice so but as you said um the Sasuke sisters are very good um their movies are very good so um i'm ex i'm actually um looking forward to see this i need to see the original film but i'm looking forward to this and i'm expecting uh good things gail unheard producing hellfest gail unheard is producing an upcoming slasher film titled Hellfest and the production for this film is underway directing the film Hellfest will be Gregory Plotkin and he is notable for directing Paranormal Activity The Ghost Dimension he also worked on the on this year's hit social commentary horror film Get Out as an editor so Hellfest is set on Halloween night. The story follows a costume killer who begins murdering unsuspecting patrons at a horror-themed park. And this film is a, this film is being produced by CBS Films. And so far, this is according to the tracking board. According to the article, there is no release date set for this film. But it's also good to note, since we're on the topic of women in horror, Gail and Hurt, she is a phenomenal force in horror and sci-fi. 
ever since the beginning, let's say Terminator, all the way up to the present day, let's say um, The Walking Dead, Gail and Hurd's contribution to the uh, field of horror and sci-fi cinema is very notable. So this is her upcoming project. And in my opinion, I'm not going to judge it yet, but I've seen a lot of slasher films uh, that has this concept of being inside a Halloween set night and inside a theme park. But let me tell you, Gail Ann Heard does not make garbage. So I'm expecting this film to be up to par with her other productions. Uh, Stacy, what do you think about this film, Hellfest? And I know you, you're familiar with Gail and Heard. Uh, yes, I am familiar with Gail and Heard. Um, and I'd say just the same that um, she's made many a great movie. She's a very great uh, director and producer. Um, never disappointed with her. So um, I think that this will be good, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, neither can I. Let's see uh, what more information pops up for this film in the upcoming months. Analog Horror Anthology Web Series Analog Episode 1 Containment is the first episode of the monthly anthology web series by Hand Me Down Films. This pilot episode is directed by Scott Jeschke, who also writes the script. Produced by Zach Gross and Zach Griffin. For more, informi for more information, visit hmdfilms.com, their Facebook page at the Anthology, their Facebook page at the Analog Anthology, as well as Twitter and Instagram at hmdfilms. The synopsis, a teenage couple is terrorized by a mysterious creature when they accidentally crash their car in a restricted government facility. Containment follows a teenage couple who are on their way to the man's dorm room for a quiet, relaxing night. The car hits a mysterious object and they get out the car to find out what it was, it disappears. The man decides to head into the woods to search for it, but is dragged off by an unknown creature. Containment has a great plot. The film is very brief, running just 10 minutes long. Uh, there's a lot of mystery in the film. It's a nice touch. However, this could be expanded on a little bit more. You get a very quick glimpse of the creature, but not enough to determine exactly what it is. Ken, have you watched the movie and what do you think of it? No, I haven't uh, had a chance to watch Analog yet. This sounds like a very interesting concept here. Um... I'm always a film buff for short films because it always gives you that that little taste of anticipation and the directors always leave you hanging at the end. So I gotta have to check out the check out analog. And is this a part of a series, an ongoing series? Uh yes, it's uh part of a web series, it says. Um and it's gonna be monthly. Wow. Anthology web series. Wow, that that is a huge endeavor to make a film, a short film, every month. That that's dedication. So you you gotta give some uh, credit to these guys behind this. 
the director Scott. Oh, that we gotta mutilate this name, Scott Jeski. I hope that's how you pronounce it. But yeah, <laughs> big props to him and his crew for making a film every month. I gotta have to check this out. Yes, and I agree that uh, it does leave you hanging at the end. Um, it's one of those films that pretty much just cuts out, um, but it still, it works, you know, it still works. And like I've mentioned before, I feel like it could be expanded on just a little bit more, but, um, what's, you know, what, what it is right now is not, it's not disappointing. I just wish that the creature was shown more, I should say. Yeah, you know what? If they show more of the creature, you know what that means? More money because you have to pay the practical or you have to pay the CGI guys to come up with the concept. So they say like, you know what? Just make a finger puppet or something like that. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. And it, it, it gives to the imagination too, especially with these short films. Uh you only have uh, what is this running time like about five minutes so that's like uh, a minute and change between acts one two and three yeah so that's well, actually this one runs 10 minutes 10 it minutes about 10 minutes yeah oh wow it runs about ten, and, uh, and a lot is shown within that 10 minutes actually it's like you're watching a two hour long film in 10 minutes so that's what makes it successful it's so good you know but um yeah um like i said just i wish you know the creature was shown because you get a very quick glimpse of it a very quick glimpse it's, it's like in a blink like you blink you miss it <laughs> it's literally like that quick wow that's so. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> Another film that that did good by the uh, not showing the creature. I mean, there's a few films, but one of the most notable films like that is Alien. They never show the creature until the end, you know. And that's a good concept because yeah. it leaves the viewer anticipating what the hell does this thing look like, and you know, it builds tension. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Well, here's to some more. I'll go. I have to check this out. Uh, and uh, do check out this web series Analog and the uh, it's from Hand Me Down Films as Stacy has mentioned and the first episode is called Containment which uh, everybody should check out because it's uh, folks like Scott that is pushing the horror sci-fi cinema forward you know with this creativity and uh unfiltered uh creativity not n untouched from hollywood and i hope it remains that way because we all know some short films as soon as hollywood touches it it becomes a disaster and also in the film in the very beginning i think it says part one containment it's something like that part one containment or part one you know um so i wonder if this is not really all of it and if the second you know episode is going to be a continuation ah very interesting so it won't be uh an anthology series it will be a series yeah it says anthology web series um but i noticed when you know watching it is it says part one or something like that 
containment. So at first, I'm thinking it's going to be like separated into different parts, you know, but then after that 10 minutes it ended. So that made me wonder if this is just the beginning and it's going to continue or what. Mm, interesting. And and they playing with this a lot of films are coming out with this alien concept. So they playing into that uh new theme as well, this uh popular theme of aliens interesting i wonder if they crashed into area 51 was that what they crashed into <laughs> you know i'm not sure i know it was a it's a restricted government facility but um i didn't really catch you know like the name of it or anything that's or, you know it didn't really show it didn't really show the uh the facility that much honestly it was more so in the woods than anything you know them going to search for the creature and whatnot yeah and that's another thing filming is complicated and then to be filming in the woods too where you don't have control you know a deer could be in the bat you know in the bushes and just jump out of nowhere you know you it's unpredictable environment and to film in there that, that's 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 talent right there Discord service crowdfunding. What you are about to witness did happen. No! 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 Five years back, there was this sweet young thing just breaking into the business. She was practically cut in half and psycho. Did they ever catch the guy? No. They never did. A killer is a new crowdfunding campaign is in the works and this is for a sequel to the cult classic you could call it cult classic because a lot of people really enjoyed this film it's a raunchy uh it's hard to describe it's a very gory campy horror film and it was titled death court service and now Descort Service Part 2, The Naked Dead, is in post-production. And you could find this crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. And the flexible goal is for $2,000. And as we speak, there's only $590 raised with only 23 backers. But there's enough time to contribute to this pr uh, production. Because there's only two months left in this, in this uh, Indiegogo uh, crowdfunding. And here is the overview of Descort Service Part 2. I'm reading off of the Indiegogo page and it states as follows. This is the post-production campaign for Descort Service Part 2, The Naked Dead. If you like the original Descort Service, this campaign is for you. Original screen use props complete with the letters of authenticity as well as a DVD CD combo pack only available through this campaign. We really try to make a film that fans of the original would enjoy and we believe we delivered on the goods. And there you have it folks. If you are a fan of the slasher, campy slasher, retro, sleazy exploitation I mean, the list goes on of uh, 
descriptives for this type of film. If you're a fan of that type of movie, then do stop by at Indiegogo and you know show some support to an independent filmmaker. And for the rewards, they vary from $5, $20, all the way up to $500. And the $500 reward, you get a screen use prosthetic mold of actress Crystal Pixie Adams. And uh, very attractive looking prop right there. I don't know how people would use that prop. and it says censored on it, so I'm thinking uh, this could be used for unmentionable activities. But aside from the comedy, if you want to stop by an Indiegogo, show your support. Uh, Stacy, I, I know you haven't seen Deathscourt Service, but I know you've seen films that are like this uh, exploitation. I kind of like the Pool Party Massacre trailer, something like that. Uh, yes, no, I have not seen that score service, but I do love um, exploitation films. So, um, and I love those grindhouse films as well. I guess I have to say I have to uh, check it out, look it up and check it out. And um, I'm interested in seeing this uh, new sequel. One thing I do love is a gory movie. So that gets my vote. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it should get everybody's vote. You know, indie filmmaker making another horror film. This is the the latest film from Gator Blade Sleazebox Film. So, yeah, be sure to check out this Indiegogo campaign. Sci-fi release season schedule. Let me start at the beginning. Three years ago. I sent a traveler back in time to change history and save the future. From the army of the 12 monkeys and its prophet, the witness. But as fate would have it, we were hunting the wrong man. Sharknado 5 Earth Zero is nearing its release. The horror sci-fi TV movie is directed by Anthony C. Ferrante, written by Thunder Levin and Scotty Mullen. The cast stars Tara Reid, Maciela Lucia, Cassandra Skirbo, Cody Lindley, Ian Ziering, and David Naughton. The synopsis, with much of America lying in ruins, the rest of the world braces for a global Sharknado. Finn and his family must travel around the world to stop them. Sharknado 5 will release on Sci-Fi on August at 8, 7 central. Other shows that will be coming to Sci-Fi Five is a new Grindhouse series coming to Sci-Fi after Los Angeles' last good cop, portrayed by Alan Richardson, is forced to join a twisted cross-country death race. His only hope of survival is a dangerous femme fatal who has the need for speed, Christina Ochoa. Oh, and forget gasoline. These cars run on human blood. The series is from Universal Cable Productions and executive producers John Levin, David Strayton, and Frederick Malmberg, along with producer Mark Wheeler. 
James Rowland created the project and is co-executive producer on the series. 12 Monkeys is a returning series. It follows the journey of James Cole, uh, portrayed by Aaron Stanford, a man from 2043 sent back in time to eradicate the source of a deadly plague that will all but annihilate the human race. And his partner, brilliant virologist, Dr. Cassandra Raleigh, portrayed by Amanda Schall. In season three, the duo embarks on a desperate search across time to find the man responsible for the apocalypse, a time traveler who calls himself the witness. Killing the witness will save the world, but the journey will come at a tremendous personal stake for the pair. Season three will premiere over three consecutive nights on Friday, May 19th through Sunday, May 21, uh, from 8, 11, 7, 10 Central. Dark Matter is another returning series based on the graphic novel created by Joseph Malozzi and Paul Muley. Dark Matter centers on an intergalactic crew who awaken on a dialect spaceship with no memories of who they are or how they got there. After the EOS-7 space station is destroyed, the, survivals, the survivors fight to stay alive and find the rest of their crew. Season three will premiere two episodes back-to-back -back on Friday, June 9th at 8-7 Central. Winona Earp is a returning series based on the IDW publishing comic book created by Bo Smith. Winona Earp follows the life of famous lawman Wyatt Earp's demon-fighting great-great-granddaughter Winona, portrayed by Melanie Scrofano, who inherited Wyatt's mythic abilities. In season two, Winona and the gang must face a whole new level of evil when more paranormal beings enter the ghost triangle. Face Off is a returning series. The award-winning competition series Face Off features innovative artists competing for a grand prize and top honor of being Hollywood's next great special effects makeup artist. Mackenzie Westmore, a member of the multi-generational family dynasty whose name is synonymous with the makeup effects field, returns to host. Season 12 will premiere Tuesday, June 13 at 9, 8 Central. Killjoys, another returning series. After sustaining serious personal losses, our trio of interplanetary bounty hunters must come together and prepare themselves for what lies ahead. Tension and tragedy loom over the J-Star system as they struggle to assemble an army and prepare for battle. Season three will premiere June 30 at 8, 7 Central. Ken, have you seen any of these shows? Because I haven't. <laughs> uh, that doesn't surprise me that you haven't. You're not a big fan of the modern sci-fi roster. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. Face Off is the competition for practical effects. So if you love hands-on effects, uh, you know, there's always these uh, TV shows... Of, of competitors like tattoo shows and stuff like that 
well this is that type of show but without the drama they focus on the art and i like that because i don't like to watch these reality shows with the dramas i like to see the art and you know the competitors they help each other out if they need to and you know you see some crazy stuff there and the amount of time that these guys do this stuff is amazing and killjoys is a series that we covered uh we watched the first two seasons like right away because we had to interview actor thumb allison uh and he stars as pre and uh according to indb it's, mm, it says 15 episodes 2015 2016 so i'm unsure if he's gonna be completely in this season or not uh i haven't seen dark matter wanana earth i kind of skimmed through that one uh it reminded me well why Winona Earp, is, it's it's original. I like the graphics. It's, it's not cheesy like a typical uh, sci-fi movie. And out of the bunch here, I would say... Hmm. I would say I'm interested in Blood Drive. That sounds a lot like Death Race. That's That's interesting right there. But one tv show that did not make it to this roster is uh is a tv show by gail and heard and that was a pretty good tv show the ratings started out pretty good but then it kind of at the last few episodes toward the end of the season it it just didn't do so good at all and I, I personally found that TV show to be very interesting. It was called Hunters. And it only lasted uh, one season. It was very good, in my opinion. Uh, just, you know, the masses uh, didn't appreciate the art form, I guess. Uh, but Stacy, you got to watch some of these shows. Yes, I know. I um, Every time I turn to sci-fi and it's not like you know an actual horror movie i just like oh man and then i change i turned to family guy oh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> and, um i like as you said like the old sci-fi i loved it was horror movies for days all those cheesy campy horror movies i loved them because it was something that you know passed by time for me you know it was interesting in my day and when nothing you know, that I wanted to see was on TV, I could always go to sci-fi. Not today. Not today. Today, it's just like all these different sci-fi TV shows. And I'm like, oh, what is, like, what is Ghost Hunters? Who watches this stuff? <laughs> you well, know? And yeah, Ghost Hunters. Let me tell you, I was I was very interested in that show until people started debunking it and the crew started uh leaving the show and it was documented that you know certain things were being uh manipulated to make it seem like ghosts were doing it but it was people behind the camera moving objects so there was a whole controversy there that's what 
I don't really like about those paranormal shows. I mean, it, it looks staged. It looks so staged. It looks so fake. And I just, like, when I watched, um, and this was actually a movie, when I watched Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, you know, and I'm just sitting there shaking my head, like, seriously? <laughs> like, this is why I don't watch those shows, because of that. Because I've always hearing from somebody, oh, that looks so fake. It's so fake. I'm like, oh, what good is, is it if it's going to look staged? Exactly. Well, that, I guess that's why they call it entertainment. And just to jump off topic, you know, Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel, Zach Bagans is the same way. He's just overdramatic and, you know, they capture all these uh, phenomena. Like, okay, I'm kind of skeptical here. I don't think that's what's going on. We don't know what's happening off camera. So, but um, I think your favorite show out of this bunch is Sharknado 5. Yes, <laughs> I am excited for Sharknado 5. I, I'm a big fan of the movies. I haven't seen the fourth one yet, but the one through th three I've seen and I love them. See, I love those movies because they're so cheesy. They're so campy, <laughs> but they're also fun. <laughs> it's fun. Wow. I have never seen Sharknado movies. No, no, I haven't I seen them. No, they're good. Like I said, they they pass by time, and when you're stuck trying to find something to watch on TV, you know, um, sci-fi and chiller were my go-to. It was sci-fi and chiller, and then Netflix, you know, and Hulu and all that. But sci-fi and chiller were my go-to uh, stations when I couldn't find nothing to watch. So let me guess, you enjoy the anaconda versus piranha, la larva, yes. <laughs> larva tarantulas. Oh my gosh. Mega sharks and mega tarantulas and all of that. Like every bug movie you could think of was on there. Killer wow. cockroaches. Ah, uh, you messed it up with the cockroaches. Oh, no, no, no. You didn't see that? it's called they they nest i think it was called but killer flying cockroaches Ugh. where else would you find that other than on sci-fi you see i would have nightmares right there i uh those disgusting insects yeah, sci-fi sci-fi like has some movies that you just wouldn't really find anywhere else unless you know you went to a store and bought the dvd or something like that but like, they even had some movies that you couldn't find on Netflix or Hulu unless you got the DVD plan and you just rent the DVD after they even have it. But, you know, it was like sci-fi was that one station to go to. And you'll see someone else like, oh, my God, like, when did this come out? What is this about? You know, and that was Netflix for a minute. That was Netflix. <laughs> I mean, killer bees, killer wasps, killer, like, everything you could think of, toads and frogs <laughs> <laughs> totally frogs just killer everything and then they got into like the big mecha dinosaurs and sharks and all that <laughs> no 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 i can't no i take i take horror seriously i can't no that's i can't mix that type of campiness no no but this slate of upcoming shows it looks very good and uh, with the exception of Sharknado, I leave that one to you. But Twelve Monkeys, unfortunately, this is the last season for Twelve Monkeys. 
you know there's only so much you could do with a movie as a series you know it, it dragged out season two was so boring and uh yeah um killjoys winona earp i'm still feeling out winona earp yeah um it's pretty cool though i like the visuals there's one thing about this the the sci-fi tv shows the visuals look so much better than movies it just especially with killjoys the the background is like and the dialogue is much better too it's not cheesy and campy like sharknado crime thriller gelatin six crime thriller gelatin six is in the works and the film is slated to star e actress elizabeth rom and tilke jones the shooting will begin in acton california and this film is very interesting because the synopsis is about a high school student who sets out to prove that his teacher is the one responsible for a series of murder in a sleepy town in Texas. Actress Elizabeth Rom will portray the mother of this high school student who is, per who is portrayed by Eric Unger and cast as the suspect suspenseful teacher is Tilke Jones. Alexander Garcia is the screenwriter for this crime thriller. Uh, this is according to Variety and checking out the article that was published um, last week there doesn't seem to be a release date however in my I'm just guessing that the production is 2017 with maybe a mid 2018 release this sounds very interesting it reminds me of these classic horror films <coughs> where the students used to think that the teacher was either an alien or robot or something like that but gelatin 6 seems to be more serious in tonality as compared to those other films the only thing i'm qu not quite placing my finger on is the title of the movie gelatin 6 it sounds like a food product especially a dessert so perhaps if they could change that title to something more appealing, more suspenseful, uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, Stacy, what do you think about this new f upcoming production? Well, um, it sounds pretty good, I have to say. Um, but I do agree with you that it does sound like um, <laughs> like food. <laughs> so. Yeah, that title is just not working for me. Gelatin. Making me go hungry. Want some jello? <laughs> killer gelatin. <laughs> <laughs> killer gelatin. The teacher is killer gelatin. Uh, now, uh, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna be thinking about that. <laughs> Exclusive interview. Director writer Sandy Robson. Actress Bronwyn Smith. Cinematographer Byron Cupman. Skyquakes. People have been 
recording strange noises like this one in Kiev for some time now. Videos filmed all over the world have appeared on YouTube, the first in summer last year. There's been a lot of buzz over the last few weeks about strange sounds being Not heard in the atmosphere. Not only is it keeping families from sleeping, they... Skyquakes is the upcoming sci-fi thriller written and directed by Sandy Robinson. The synopsis to the film is as follows. Since 2012, reports of strange sounds coming from the sky have flooded social media. Now Adam, a recluse struggling with his own demons, believes whatever is causing them has followed him home. Please check out my review for Skyquake. Log on to dkmag.com. That is D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com. And in it, I give an in-depth analysis of the film. In fact, Skyquake earns the DK Mag Premium Award for Cinematic Excellence. In my opinion, I was taken aback by the synopsis and the the poster didn't quite grasp my attention. But reading the synopsis, I knew that I was going to be intrigued with a extraterrestrial alien um, type film. And Sandy Robinson also stars in the film and he portrays the role of Adam. Mind you, this role was phenomenal because the, the, as a writer and a director, he really embodied this character. In fact, he looks very malnourished in the film. And I just want to add that I made a joke with the cinematographer um, uh, regards to that because he tossed during our interview uh, Byron Cotman tossed a question for Sandy and I kind of, you know, tossed a little joke at him. So here's a little note to Byron that I was joking. <laughs> but um, if you check out the film, you know what I'm talking about, because Sandy, the actor, he really looked so malnourished and it reminded me of another film in which an actor underwent this physical transformation in order for himself to look very malnourished. And without further ado, here is my interview with Sandy Robinson, actress Bowen Smith, and cinematographer Byron Cotman. This call is being recorded. And I'm going to start out with a brief uh, introduction. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com. And welcome to our exclusive interview coverage for the upcoming film, Skyquake. Joining me this afternoon is Sandy Robson, the director and writer and also the star for Skyquake. Bronwyn Smith, she stars as Grace Norma. And also joining is cinematographer Byron Kopman. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your time uh, for this interview. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Great to be here. Great. And I have a slate of questions, and I divided it so that way our, 
our listeners could know who is answering the question. And uh, I'll conclude with a general question at the end. Okay. And for Sandia, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, Skyquakes, what is your theory behind this global phenomena? Um, well, uh, I, there's my personal feeling is there's something greater going on, but that's because I believe in aliens and, and all the great fantasy things that surround us. Um, I really hope it's nothing, you know, man-made. Um, if you've heard some of the videos on, uh, online, um, especially, uh, some of the ones from overseas seem so genuine. Um, I don't know. Um, what always led me to think was maybe these were the same sounds that they heard in biblical times and maybe mistook them for the voices of God or the trumpets of God. Yeah, those sounds are pretty freaky. I followed the, the UFO field uh, daily, and uh, yeah, those sounds are pretty out there. Yeah, they're terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and for my next question, it's a cinematographer Byron. Cotman. And uh, for audiences unaware of the role of a cinematographer, what are your duties on a film production? Uh, yeah, my duties are to kind of bring the visual to life. So the director is in charge of the actors and the story, make sure the story kind of flows and the actors do the thing. My role is the, the lighting and the camera work to kind of be that second part of the, the story. Cool, thank you. That was just the icebreaker. I have some tougher questions for you. <laughs> hoping that was it. <laughs> and for Miss Smith, um, the character you portray, how can you best describe her contribution to the narrative? Um, well, um, it's hard to say without giving too much away, but um, I I think she's uh, it, I guess in some ways at times with what the um, uh, the audience can relate to the uh, the most. Uh, Sandy's character uh, is is so extreme and uh, is dealing with so much that um, that Grace feels uh more relatable and accessible i think so i think it, it, she may be the way in for the audience to have an emotional connection uh, i agree with the emotional connection um character grace uh, she was really an anchor in this film definitely my applause to you very well uh excellent portrayal oh thank you so much you're welcome that's kudos to Sandy for uh, his great writing and, and his vision for this. It, it helps no, not. I, I take no credit, Bronwyn. That was all you, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. And speaking about uh, the writing, um, the research provides the backbone for most films. And when it's done, it's done very successfully. And that's the case with Skyquakes. So with the research into actual skyquakes, what did you find surprising and then how did you implement that into the script? That's for Sandy. Well, um, I approached the script uh, really trying to deal with it um, as I did personally when I first heard them. So um, 
I tried to look at it um, more as um, a tool to to enter into um, this this world of mental illness um, that uh, and how we could use such a profound sound or an event like a skyquake as uh, as a catalyst to 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 show the breaking down of of you know our our, our character Adam. Thank you. And next is uh, this question is for uh, Byron. <clears throat> Realism is the core concept for the film Skyquakes. How did this picture differ from your previous experience in conveying tonality? My background previous to this was mostly music videos and commercials. So it's kind of you have you can use any color, any kind of light just to make it cool. The cooler, the better, you know. Uh, with Skyquake, it was all about keeping it quite real, but still moody. Um, so tone-wise, we were kind of playing with blues and like quite contrasty light to kind of make it a bit more moody. And then sometimes whenever it was a bit lighter of a story point, we would be a bit brighter, a bit happier. Yeah, so that was kind of how we played with tone. Just depending on story, uh, we would go darker or and more contrasty or a bit brighter and sunny so yeah, that was the tone thank you and next is uh miss smith uh for the story what captivated you the most in your first reading of the screenplay um well it, it was something i've never done before it was quite a departure from the the types of characters um uh there's a lot of um tv movies shot in vancouver a lot of playing um mothers <laughs> and that's it just a, a soccer mom <laughs> so it was uh it was fun to do uh something that had this ongoing mystery um and uh, and I think that dealing with the, a sense of grief throughout was, was interesting to me. Um, but I, I think just that it was such a departure from um, the, the other parts that I played. Um, and uh, so I, I jumped at the chance. Thank you. And moving along with Sandy, uh, you mentioned... Uh, the mental psycholo psychological aspect of the film. So in that said, what was the mental preparation in getting into this character? Oh, wow. Um, well, it's, uh, I think we were really successful, uh, my crew and, and, and cast. Um, it, we were a small cast and crew, and so the, we had a very intimate um, environment uh, which which really allowed uh, I feel myself to to just open up and and um, and and access the fear and and terror that um, Adam starts to to, to succumb to. Um, I really do give credit to the to to my fellow cast and and my amazing crew um, for for giving that environment. The preparation really is. Um, I know a lot about mental illness. It, it's it's something that's touched my own family. Um, so I just drew on my own and and uh, 
close uh, people close to me their their experiences. Tried to portray that as honestly as possible. And for Iron, um, touching on the the lighting in the film, um, how were these scenes set up? Especially, I'm curious. To me, some of the rooms look small, particularly the bathroom. So how was that set up for the camera angles to capture this whole uh, scenario? Um, you are right. They are very small. Uh, we shot it all in uh, one house. Um, there is actually a funny photo of myself in the first AC and a slider in the bathtub um, filming the bathroom to be, make it look like we're as far away from him as possible. <laughs> um yeah, just uh yeah things were small but um they kind of like sandy was saying didn't make it intimate and uh yeah it didn't we didn't really we couldn't cheat anything a eh? and kind of was a good thing kind of showed kind of the claustrophobia i guess if you if you will so yeah yeah small is right yes i did get that sense of the claustrophobic feel but i was also very impressed especially one scene uh, where Adam is, I, I believe he was brushing his teeth, and the the light cast on his body in a certain way it was kind of kind of weird. It just had that weird vibe to it. Yeah, so I think if I recall correctly, we used a bit of like a green, greenish blue light, like cyan gel, to kind of like add a bit more of that sickly feel. Yeah, I can recall. Yeah. No, I remember. I I remember that. And I know the shot he's talking about. Yeah, it's you and and Carlos. Um, I, I remember that, and I know where, where that light was. I, it's one of my favorite shots too, Ken. Yes, it's very compelling. And for Miss Smith, um, for your character, what is about this character's traits do you find to be most tragic? Whoa. <laughs> um. I'm I'm being careful because again I, I um if I dive in too much it gives away too much of the story I think um I, I think uh, the tragic part is um not knowing how to to let go and move on um I think we all get stuck uh, in our lives um and um. And I think, yeah, if there was a, a tragic element, it was it was certainly that not knowing how to to take next steps um, after big events. <laughs> I, it took me a while to craft these questions because I know I, the film just came out, so I was careful. <laughs> yeah, carefully stepping around here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my next question is for Sandy. Um, one of the clever parts of the narrative is providing Adam's backstory in the most unlikeliest place in the film. So was this how you first planned to initiate the screenplay? Or how many drafts were you uh, confident that this was the best place to put everything um, for, the, for this uh, particular delivery? Um, well, no, yeah, it was not the first draft. Um, <laughs> originally, Skyquake had a very biblical sort of feel 
um, going back to that, that they sound almost like the trumpets of God. Uh, so it went through many um, incarnations. Um, the way that it all wrapped up, um, it came to me, I, I was working a full-time job at the time I was writing this and um, it, was, it was long hours and I had a lot of time to sort of think it was manual labor. And so it just sort of stewed and, and every draft, I would find little little things in there and it, it was almost like a chain. And then finally, when I was able to sort of link the whole chain, um, it, it dawned on me um, how I could reveal all of this. It, originally, it all actually happened in reverse, um, one of the earliest drafts. And then, as I'm sure um, other indie filmmakers will be able to relate, um, when it was all in the bag and I was editing, um, some, of, some of the pace of that ending came um, just organically out of the footage we had and um, the amount of time uh, left to tell. The original version of the film is another 20 minutes long. Um, the, origin, uh, the version that uh, everyone sees now in DVD and uh, on demand is, uh, is, a, is a director's cut um, after we, we had shown it a few times. So there's actually 20 minutes of unseen footage. Nice, nice. Um, next question for uh, Byron. Um, <clears throat> where was the setting located and how was the home altered to meet this solitary confinement feel? Um, the whole, the setting was one single house. So that was kind of a, a challenge just to make it look a to work in it we were there for i don't know how many days in a row so you you uh you get you get kind of trapped um creatively i personally like like how can we make this different you know like how do you like normally when you go to different a new location you can kind of like get inspired by a new place but um yeah it was all one house and even the exterior was like pretty much the backyard of that place um kind of lost your question to be honest <laughs> uh, the location, location and the uh how did you alter the 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 location to meet the solitary confinement feel of the film um wasn't a whole bunch i, I don't know if we like sandy we didn't paint anything right we just no no yeah we 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 we, we shot it in uh in, in actually my home um and and as byron said that is the back that, that that's our green belt behind the home my, uh, my, my wife and also who's a producer on this, uh, Nicole Robson and my mother-in-law, uh, Teresa Mooney are the ones who did um, the, the original set deck, which would be the reorganizing, right? Byron, you remember that? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Byron and uh, uh, he would step in and, and, then, and, and then tweak it, I guess, to shoot, or sorry, sorry, to, to, to suit your shots. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Thank you. No, no worries. I know. I know. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, been a while. <laughs> and for uh, Ms. Smith, um, in your opinion, uh, I know you touched a base on 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 this on your previous answer. But we're talking genre wise. In your opinion, how do you interpret the film Sky Creek uh, to be about? Uh, in, in terms of what kind of genre it is, or Right, how you interpret it as a, a because it, the film actually, in my opinion, transverses genres. So, in your opinion, uh, how do you feel it connects with most? 
Well, I feel like there's definitely a sci-fi um, sort of element in there. Um, uh, there's a, um, I, I don't know, like a, a bit of a thriller there. I, I'm so easily scared. <laughs> to this day, if I wake up at 4.40, 4 a.m. I'm terrified. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't know. There's, um, I don't know how to, uh, it, it, where it fits in exactly, because I think you're right. It does cross over a, a couple of different uh, genres. Um, but what I think makes it interesting about that is that it, it opens it up for uh, a bigger audience to to see it um, because it, it kind of touches on uh, something for everybody. Um, sometimes those genres don't have as much of the um, uh, emotional aspect to it or um, and, and this one definitely does have that. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh we're going into the open questions and the first question is uh, of course we're going to go in order sandy byron and and ending with miss smith um the tonality of sky quakes of course is based on actual events so in your interpretation uh how does this serve as a metaphor to real life situations So how does sky? How does a an, an actual skyquake um, relate to or used as a metaphor for real life situations? The film itself, because uh, in the film Skyquake, we have a lot a lot of elements going. Uh, so especially with the uh, skyquake element, how does that serve as a metaphor? What is the metaphor behind that? Wow, um, for me. Um, the skyquake is um, is the calling. Um, I think that in um, in Adam's case, um, it's 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 the sound calling him to. Well, I can't give everything away, but it's it's the calling. It's uh, the metaphor is it's it's a calling. If, if I hope I answered that right. <laughs> question. That is tricky. <laughs> Um, go ahead, anybody else? Yeah, jump in. <laughs> it's a tough <laughs> one. Yeah, it's like a metaphor. Yeah. I, I think something that's that's in there is um, uh, deal with the stuff you need to deal with, um, even if something's difficult and hard you know don't run away face it that's better than my answer probably. <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> i'm second guessing now <laughs> no i liked it it's hers it's hers <laughs> yeah i got Another. nothing sorry <laughs> <You gotta. laughs> that's an honest reply that's <laughs> Another another open ended uh, nope another open question, um, sci-fi and horror and thrillers they all have some type of cliche element, but I don't find any cliches in the, 
Skyquake. So being a part of this production, how does it feel to have accomplished this endeavor as a group? Um, well, I'll answer first. I, that's a huge compliment first. Thank you, Ken. Um, we, when, when I wrote it, I did not want to just make a horror or just make a thriller or, or, or just make um, a sci-fi film. So um, this team, Byron, Carlos, Bronwyn, John, um, Nicole, Teresa, um, Kelvin, um, every person who worked on this, um, I, I remember specifically, um, especially Byron and, um, and Carlos, nothing they shot was, even the shots weren't cliche. Um, you guys did so many amazing things with such, in 10 days, that was completely unbelievable. Um, I, they, I think almost you answered it, Ken, and that the team made that possible. I mean, it was very easy for us to to go for um, for for the cliche shots or the cliche beats to play even Bronwyn, um, and uh, and 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 I think everybody being such talented artists, um, they 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 really strived everybody for for their best for 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 something better than what was easy that's my answer and just just so everyone knows carlos is the gaffer so he was and we had a very small team that was probably like all the people sandy um there's pretty much the whole t the whole team those um kevin who's our first ad and producer but yeah pretty much like i don't know it's probably like an eight person team and i guess the only cliche would be like as any indie film small team smaller budget and that's that's the the cliche <laughs> <laughs> that's right that is the cliche right on that is true um i i concur with sandy that uh, uh thank you for the the feedback and it's and, and it feels really amazing to to uh read about the responses from people to the film um certainly while making it i was just amazed at everybody's uh level of dedication and their skill and creativity and talent all with this very um uh easygoing attitude uh we were under great time pressure to get a lot accomplished in a short amount of time which is true for all film and especially indie films but you know this was definitely in that extreme you know uh, time pressure and everybody just kept bringing their A-game with an amazing attitude every single day. And if I was feeling tired or, or anything, I'd just look at what other people were doing, and that would be the boost I needed to, to keep going. So at the end of this, to get such great feedback feels amazing. Thank you. I concur. I concur. That's, that's so true. And, and Byron, sorry, just, he brought up a really great point, um, which was that, um, our, our, our line producer um, and, and first AD, Kevin Royce, um, was, was a really strong backbone, uh, both for me uh, directing and acting in it. And, uh, and, and I, I know for the crew, um, you know, we, we had long hours, like, like Bronwyn was saying, and somehow <laughs> they all came back the next day. And <laughs> I, think, I think I owe a lot of that to Kevin. Uh, so, yes, definitely. <laughs> And that ties into my next question. Um, 
what was the most difficult part in during the production process the filming process what was the most intensive scene the most difficult scene that had to be accomplished i'll let you guys start I, i'm interested in hearing what you have to say <laughs> uh, for for me uh the like final scene in the kitchen is was the hardest technically and that was also i think our, our we were like under the most pressure of course of time like we were like so behind and then we had to do like that very complicated like lighting's changeover in camera and stuff. Um, yeah, we had like I think our effects guy, uh, Paul. It's Paul, right? Um, yeah, yeah, Paul Benjamin. Yes, he was, on, he was on some lighting cues. Like everyone was hands on, so it was, that was from on my end. It was the hardest. Ronnie. Uh, well. I think the first, very first thing I shot was when I find you in the bathroom, which is all I'll say. Um, and, and that required uh, a really uh, um, high emotion uh, right from the very start. So it was a good place to, to begin to, to get things rolling. Um, it may be that and running in the forest in my bare feet. I can run in the forest, but I need runners normally. So <laughs> bare feet was a challenge. <laughs> um, I, I agree with Byron. Our final day, which um, also included that, that kitchen scene, um, I think we ended up pulling 70 plus hours that day. We shot this <laughs> in 10 days. Um, and the, the lighting transitions, if you have a chance, Ken, to, to look at that again, that's all practical. It was absolutely Byron and Carlos. Um, that was, um, uh, that happened on the day because we ran out of daylight. Do you remember that, Byron? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, that was your brilliance um, coming in on how we were going to fix that. Um, that was definitely the most technically um, hard day I remember. The most emotionally, I agree with Bronwyn wholeheartedly. That was our first day, and it was one of the biggest scenes. I won't say what happens, but it, it definitely it, it definitely tore me apart um, very quickly and, and made it all very real very quick. Can I ask one question real quick? Uh, for Sandy, would you say you like losing weight was hard? Uh, yeah, but, but that only became apparent when our first... Uh, AD had to come to me and say I needed to eat because I, I couldn't make a decision. <laughs> yeah, I lost over 30, was it 35 pounds for it? So yeah, it was it was pretty bad. I, I won't ever do that again. That's that's for sure. <laughs> that was one of the questions uh, that I had planned, but I wanted to stray away from the audiences making a relation with Brad Anderson's 2004 uh um, thriller so the the actor in that film also went through a certain change so i didn't want people to see that parallel there ah sorry <laughs> you didn't blow it buddy thank you my sacrifice went went noted thank you <laughs> yes and uh last two questions um being that this is an indie production, how is it that um, the was it that every the crew and the cast 
lended a hand and do you see yourself doing an indie film like this again that is very intimate and everybody's pitching in um i'll start yes everybody did lend a hand um and and more than a hand they they lent it a foot a shoulder you know everything they had um it, it was only possible because, um, like uh, Bronwyn has says as well, everyone was just so committed. Um, it actually kind of chokes me up when I think about it now, saying it. Um, it. That's the only way it was possible. I absolutely, um, we're actually getting ready to to move forward with with two other projects, and I, I really only ever want to work with with smaller crews, um, but I definitely want to pay them a hell of a lot more. <laughs> I would do something like this again in a heartbeat. Uh, that ability to get completely immersed, um, sometimes on uh, bigger budget projects, uh, as as fun as that can be, um, uh, especially as an actor, you can be uh, kind of more removed from the process. So whenever it's an indie project and uh, everybody's kind of pitching in and it's a smaller crew, there's a greater bond um, and uh, and I feel more connected as an actor in a lot of ways. So I'd, I'd love to do something like this again. Um, I am doing something. I'm doing another feature kind of similar size uh, in June. Um, the only difference that we've done on this one coming up, learning from other projects, is that we're trying to do, um, we're doing it in a longer period. We're shooting 18 days um, just so that we can like really concentrate on. Um, quality you know like instead of doing 10 or 11 pages a day we're doing six so mm -hmm. um this will be my first time trying this method uh i'll have to report back i'm assuming it's gonna be good but hopefully I, i'm not sure if it's gonna be twice as or three times as good you know like i don't know if that's gonna fix it or not fix it but that was like the only tough part about the our project it was like super rushed so we'll have to see how but yeah i am doing it again <laughs> I'm a soccer management. Uh, congratulations again, Byron, on that. And I agree 100%. That's, that's definitely the way that we'll be going forward um, on our end is longer time periods. I mean, budget is, is, is only going to grow. But yes, time period. That's, if, you know, I think that, that if you can keep it intimate but have just a little bit longer to, 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 get, um, to get through this, I think it's better for everyone and, and the final product. Mm. Thank you. And for the final question, it's actually an open platform. This is for everybody. Um, feel free to share your upcoming projects, social media, and just give some highlights on Skyquake and uh, where people could gain access. Go ahead, guys. Anybody want to chime in? Well, Sandy, Sandy, do you want to start with uh, like where you can see Skyquake and stuff? Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. I just wanted, I was going to hear you guys. Uh, yeah, you can, it's now available at uh, nationwide, uh, Canada, US, um, on demand, iTunes, Amazon, um, Steam. Um, there's, uh, you can go to skyquakethemovie.com, uh, Brain Damage Films, Midnight Releasing. For all your info to find out what's going on there with Skyquake, um, we're we're really really excited. And the response, the reviews so far that have come in have been wonderful. 
Um, we, we were really honored by winning in Seattle, Crypticon, and uh, Boston Sci-Fi Film Festivals with this film. Um, so that's, and, and keep an eye out for more from, from us at um, Smoking Barrel and um, Pirate Rum Company, um, who, who is our executive producer and, and production company. We've got another film coming, but I can't give you details at the moment. <laughs> it's secret. <laughs> Can like you don't want like I could get, go on and on about what I have coming up, but is it relative? Do you want that? Well, whatever you would like to share, the audience would uh, you know. How, how, would you like to share with the audience? Free free reign, free advertising. <laughs> uh, well, quickly, I I got another feature coming up. A um, bunch of commercials. Um, I guess as far as like just seeing what I'm up to, I just have like my Instagram account at Byron Cotman with a K. And same thing with my website, byroncommon.com. Kind of keep up to date with like my travels and projects and stuff. So social media, I guess, is my, my only advertising. Um, I, uh, I was recently in uh, an episode of uh, a new ABC sitcom starring Jenna Elfman called Imaginary Mary. And I'll be in another episode of that uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. I don't know the date, but I know it's on Tuesday nights at 9.30 on ABC. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, filming um, a, a part for a series of unfortunate events, uh, the Netflix uh, series starring Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, and I get to film that in the next couple of weeks. And... Uh, and of course, as any actor is, I'm, I've got fingers crossed on some other things too. So send out some good vibes. <laughs> you deserve it for sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Actor-wise, I'm in the upcoming War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, Marine 5 uh, was just released. Um, you can see me in that. I'm, I'm in um, Van Helsing coming up and in uh, the new season of Travelers. Um, and, uh, and I just want to add, and this isn't a shameless plug, but I've got him on the phone. I definitely want to shoot my next film with Byron. I just hope I can afford it. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> we signed that contract. <laughs> cool. Thanks, uh, once again, gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I expressed that uh, this film really blew me away. I totally enjoyed it. I'm sure... Uh, people gotta uh, when it when they buy it in the VOD DVD they gotta enjoy it just as much as I did. Excellent! Congratulations to everyone on the script, the performances, and the cinematography. It was just mind blowing. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. You're welcome. And once again, uh, my name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com. Exclusive interview. Director, co-writer Benjamin Cooper, Edgar Allan Poe's lighthouse keeper. As your memory returned, there was a storm. I found you unconscious on the beach. Do you know who you are? Hello? Can you even tell me your real name? We are alone here. How can you be so sure we're alone?
Edgar Allan Poe's Lighthouse Keeper has released. The horror film is directed by Benjamin Cooper, co-written by Carl Edge, based on the original story, The Lighthouse by Edgar Allan Poe. I have had the pleasure of a candid interview with director Benjamin Cooper, where I asked him about the technical aspects of the film, the script, and how it relates to Poe's original story. In case you missed it, here is my interview with Benjamin Cooper. This is Stacey Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. Joining me today is director, producer, and writer Benjamin Cooper. His latest project, Edgar Allan Poe's Lighthouse Keeper, is slated for a 2017 theatrical release. Mr. Cooper, I want to thank you for taking this time to meet with me today. Uh, well, thank you. I see that Lighthouse Keeper is based on Edgar Allan Poe's original tale, The Lighthouse. From Poe's collection of terror, what is it about The Lighthouse that drew you into the story? Well, um, if, if anyone's read it, there's actually not much to the story. I am a Poe fan in general, uh, ever since I was a kid. And uh, I was, but, but I'd never heard of The Lighthouse until uh, my old boss turned me on to it. Uh, I used to work for Fred Ray uh, in his uh, distribution outfit, uh, Retro Media, and, um, uh, and he actually told me about it, and, uh, and I, and I kind of filed it away. And then when I was uh, in San Luis Obispo, I was, uh, I was promoting uh, some theatrical dates for my monster movie, Primitive, and uh, my uh, sister-in-law, worked for the lighthouse up there she said ben you ought to think about shooting a movie at the lighthouse she was talking about the point san luis lighthouse in san luis obispo and then obviously my my uh my mind went right to that story having been a, a poe fan uh i thought it was a perfect fit perfect opportunity uh, and the fact that uh no one else had taken a stab uh, to my knowledge at, at adapting it for a, as a film uh i i just Thank you. The film adaptation, is it a modern or period piece? Yeah, it's a period piece, although um, uh, it doesn't take place uh, during Poe's era. Um, we don't explicitly say what the period is, but I wanted it to look as if it was in the 1930s, kind of Depression era. Uh, because uh, the lighthouse that we chose to that we shot in, that we had the opportunity to shoot in, uh, was built in 1890, which is, uh, I think, post Poe. And uh, so it, it, that, that period uh, made the most sense for, for me, the story that I had in mind. What is the horror essence you will be offering in your film that the lighthouse captured? Well, um, it's, a, it's a very atmospheric film. Um, my, I'm a big fan not only of the original Poe, but of Roger Corman Poe cycle. Uh, I discovered those. I was introduced to those by my mom, who loves spooky movies. And, uh, in fact, the first one I saw was House of Usher. And so I wanted to pay kind of uh, respect to those pictures. And, um, but, uh, you know, with a, a, a little bit of a, uh, you know, with my own, with my own style on it also. Uh, and so it, it's, uh, it's this, it, 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 the, the lighthouse, if you're not familiar with it, it's the last 
Victorian style lighthouse on the west coast. Uh, the other one burned down, and uh, and so it ha- it's a great uh, just in terms of uh, the architecture and everything. It, it, it's a great. It was a great opportunity to do gothic horror. You know? And so that's the direction we went with it. Um, uh, you, you know, uh, unlike the the Poe movies, uh, uh, we also rely on uh, practical uh, makeup effects and. and, and
but does not give a specific release date. Are there any updates you can share with the status of the production and the release date? Well, uh, I uh, recently made a domestic deal with uh, Stu at ITN uh, Distribution. And um, we talked about the release date. He said that, uh, you know, maybe he could get it out earlier, but it might be advantageous to get it into all of the outlets, uh, all, uh, you know, push it through all of his accounts simultaneously. Uh, and the earliest that could happen is maybe February 2017. Now, in this business, uh, dates change. So, so I, in my press release, I said it was probably in the early 2017. It, it could get pushed back. And, uh, and on one movie I did, uh, the release date actually got uh, moved up. So you never know. Uh, so that's why I was a little vague about that. It's just, uh, you know, the, the way the business works. Thank you. Mr. Cooper, can you please state your website and any social media where we can tune in and get more information and updates for your film Lighthouse Keeper? Sure. The official site is lighthousekeepermovie.com. And uh, you can also look it up on uh, Facebook. Uh, I think it's uh, forward slash lighthousekeepermovie. Uh, and um, I try to keep those uh, updated whenever there's uh, news. Um, on the official site, you'll find the uh, latest trailer and artwork uh, and so on. Are there any other projects that you're working on at this time? Uh, yeah, I have uh, some in development. Uh, I, I like, uh, obviously, I love horror movies, but I like all kinds of movies. Uh, earlier this year, uh, uh, a family movie I co-produced came out called My Best Friend. <laughs> uh, if your fans like talking horse movies, mm -hmm. um, I hope to do a, a couple, um, some more family movies. I have a couple of young boys of my own. Uh, I'm also turning them on to horror, the horror genre. So don't you worry about that. Um, I had a uh, sci-fi action that I'm uh, working on the script right now uh, called Earthman and um, uh, a sci-fi uh, kids movie called Geek that I'm trying to get going uh, and of course uh, uh, you know I got a laundry list of horror movies that I'd, I'd like to do uh, uh, at some point uh, yeah that's about it about the horror movies can you elaborate a little more well, it's all kind of up in the air uh, right now, but uh, they they tend to be uh, uh, the, the spooky supernatural variety. Uh, you know, I, I I like all kinds of horror movies. My favorite growing up was probably uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but uh, personally, I, I prefer something super supernatural or or monster movies. Something with that little bit of fantasy element injected in there. Um, uh, so so that's, that's kind of you don't mind um, elaborating, you know, more on the story, that would be awesome. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I can do that. Uh, also, uh, we um, we can uh, Vernon Wells, Vernon Wells from uh, you know, Commando and Road Warrior. He, he's in the movie, and uh, uh, it, and it was uh, executive produced by uh, Jeff Miller, who uh, his latest uh, project, you know, getting some attention right now, is called Clown Town. And he did Axe Giants. Yeah. If you want to talk about any of those folks, uh, I'm happy to do that. So, when you chose your cast, um, how did you choose your cast? <laughs> uh, I cast Vernon G. Wells as uh, the lighthouse keeper, uh, who's who they call Walsh in the movie. Uh, I, I worked with him once before, and uh, I knew he was a cool cast. 
and he was kind of he's kind of a fan favorite too, having worked on Road Warrior and Inner Space and Commando. I grew up watching him, and uh, I had a great experience because uh, whenever you can cast, you know, an old pro in your movie, uh, if you have that opportunity, you got to do it because uh, you know they bring all that experience, and uh, everybody ups their game. You know when. You know, it just kind of legitimizes the whole movie for for all the cast and crew, and and they wanna they wanna uh, do better to to meet that you know standard. And uh, he's Vernon's uh, a really easygoing guy, and and he he puts uh, you know like all the cast, he he put a lot of thought into the role, and uh, we talked a, a lot about it, and uh, uh, just a real pro. And uh, the other uh, cast members, uh, they're not not quite as famous as him. But, uh, that, you know, it, across the board, I, I basically lucked out. And, uh, you know, most, most of the guys uh, I've worked with before, I like uh, casting, uh, uh, you know, old, uh, collaborators that uh, I have a great relationship with. So, uh, you know, we had Rachel Riley uh, and uh, playing The Mysterious Woman, Matt O'Neill. They were both in my previous movie, my monster movie, Primitive. And uh, so... I kind of like to surround myself with people I love and, and uh, create the, it just makes the job easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, this, this time was my first time working with uh, executive producer Jeff Miller. And, uh, as I mentioned, uh, he has uh, Clown Town coming out right now. Uh, and uh, that's getting a lot of heat. Thank you. Um, also in the cast, I see you have Matt O'Neill plays JP. Yeah, uh, Matt O'Neill was the lead in, in Primitive, my yeah. monster movie that came out in 2013. Uh, we had such a great experience that, um, you know, as soon as the uh, opportunity to shoot at the lighthouse fell in my lap, I instantly thought, oh, I, you know, I got to write a part for Matt. You know, and so, uh, so he, he was on board since, uh, since concept, you know. So the trailer and the stills on the official site, you said you wanted oh, yeah. a 1930s look. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, I had a lot of help from uh, my frequent uh, uh, collaborator, production designer Michelle Aragon. Uh, and with these low budgets, you, you got to wear a lot of hats. So uh, Michelle came up with the props, the set dressing. We already had that great lighthouse which we shot in. Um, and uh, we all, and this time was also uh, it was a, this was also a costume picture which I had really done. Usually. You know, if you're not, if you don't have a big budget, you, you know, you buy stuff at the thrift store, or you, uh, <laughs> or actors wear their own clothes. <laughs> but uh, this was a, a genuine costume picture, and uh, you know, so uh, Barbara uh, Little, uh, you know, pitched in with that, and she did a great job. Uh, and so, uh, so I, I looked out in that department, and I think uh, the overall. Uh, you know, the, the, we were able to achieve a really rich look because of that. Uh, you know, that that uh, really beyond the, our budget. Thank you. The plot to Lighthouse Keeper speaks of grotesque denizens of the night. Uh, what practical effects will audiences be presented with? Well, uh, these characters that, uh, not zombies exactly, I, I, I'm kind of, I, I, I got to tell you the truth, I'm kind of fed up with zombie movies. I don't know if anyone really added anything to the genre since, since Romero, 
but uh, uh, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, but uh, so these, but but we do have these uh, kind of characters, these kind of uh, uh, these undead characters that come out of the the, the fog. And uh, Andrea Wersma uh, uh, handled all those effects. She made these terrific. She sculpted these uh, these characters from scratch and, and made these silicone uh, appliances. Uh, and, and basically, she <laughs> she's a miracle worker. And uh, you know, I told her that you know I don't want these guys to be your run of the mill zombies. And uh, she came up with this design that uh, was. Really, kind of just this really stylistic design. These guys, they, you know, they have uh, like barnacles growing out of their heads and starfish <laughs> and stuff. Just, just wild. These waterlogged uh, fellows that uh, these sailor, undead sailors. That, uh, and I don't want to give too much away, but uh, that, that's basically what you're in store for. So, uh, uh, so Andrea Wurst, uh, she, you know, she worked on, uh, uh, you know, Puppet Master Ten and. Uh, a bunch of movies. Yeah, I looked at the trailer and I saw that and I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, Mr. Cooper, I would like to thank you for taking the time to meet with me. Is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, other than, uh, you know, we're really grateful to uh, uh, the Point San Luis Lighthouse Keepers and the uh, uh, the, the, the Harbor uh, Port uh, Harbor District uh, for hosting us there at the, the lighthouse. Um, when I was uh, pitching the, the project to them uh, in order to get permission to shoot there, they asked me, uh, "What happens if uh, we don't give you permission to shoot?" And I said, "Well, we're just not going to do the movie." <laughs> you know, so everything was riding on that, and uh, and luckily we were able to negotiate that deal. And uh, uh, oh, and yeah, there there's uh, one anecdote uh, I can share if you like. Uh, you know, that, that lighthouse, like I mentioned, it was built in the 1890s, stick-built lighthouse, and uh, they didn't want any open flames near it. No cigarettes, no matches, no candles, no nothing. And uh, so, of course, I wrote into the script uh, that, you know, all the characters are carrying around their candles. And so I had about, I don't know, 50,000 uh, special effects shots where I had to put in candle flames on the candles in post-production. And that took uh, some months to do. It was just me and, uh, <laughs> adding those candle flames. But also, uh, the, you know, all the horror effects obviously were practical, but there are some CGI effects, uh, you know, to help uh, create the environment, the period environment. And um, uh, Gary Jones uh, also pitched in on, on the effects that were a little beyond my, my capabilities because uh, he, uh, he uh, not only did he does he do practical effects like uh, from Moon Trap, Evil Dead 2, uh, Army of Darkness, but uh, uh, he does uh, CGI now and he did uh, some key shots that uh, uh, I'm really happy that he came aboard uh, to do those. Thank you so much for that insight. Again, I would like to thank you for taking the time to meet with me. My name is Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DecayMag.com. Trailer reviews. Jeg vil gerne have du går tilbage til tiden lige før hændelsen, 
Hvor er du henne? Robin is an upcoming mystery thriller and the synopsis reads as follows. A traumatized woman is found in a forest claiming to have witnessed a murder. As the police investigates it, they can't find anything proving her story. The woman is convinced that she is the next victim and starts her own investigation to figure out what really happened trying to find the murderer before he finds her as she comes closer the truth is finally revealed along with severe consequences that would change everything the trailer for robin is subtitled but you don't need to follow what the actors are saying in their dialogue because the action speaks for itself the trailer is very tense in tonality and I'm really liking the angles of how the director is uh, manipulating these shots. Uh, it's not like a traditional filmmaking straightforward. Uh, looks like the director knows what he's doing and capturing tension. Robin is written and directed by Antonio Tublin. And there doesn't seem to be a release date yet. Uh, so I'm anticipating a 2017 release for this mystery thriller. It looks intense. And since it's a, a horror thriller from overseas, I'm expecting nothing but goodness in this movie. Uh, Stacy, have you seen the trailer for Robin? No, I have not watched it yet. Shame, shame, shame. I know, I know. <laughs> it is a good tense trailer. And I'm not easily convinced by trailers, but uh, given that the synopsis and the way these, uh, these uh, cuts in the trailer really show some good angles and the, the color correction was nice too. So I'm thinking this is going to be a very moody type of film. Freak Out released on October 15, 2015 in Israel. The comedy horror is directed by Boaz Armoni, written by Lior Letterman. The cast stars Ite Zvolan, Kai Korobelenkov, Asaf Ben Shimon, Iran Peretz, and Ofer Rutenberg. The synopsis. Matan, a soldier in the IDF, sets off for a week of patrolling in a remote base in the north of Israel with three soldiers whom he doesn't know. As the week progresses, the soldiers begin to question whether they will come out of this experience alive. 
The freak out trailer has a lot of mystery. A group of soldiers are preyed upon by an unknown assailant. Their adventure turns into a night of survival. Ken, have you seen the trailer for Freak Out? Yes, I have. And the trailer came out uh, early last year. And I don't, not much has changed in the trailer. Um, I'm liking the, the plot in which this soldier is just by himself in, in a remote area and he's just freaking out, basically. Um, it, it does look familiar. I just can't place another film that, that looks this way, that a bunch of soldiers is just, they're getting hunted by some type of mysterious force. But the one I'm thinking about, I just can't remember the name. That was more serious. This one looks like it's, it's got a lot of gags to it. And it, it's not campy. The, the, uh, it's subtitled. Uh, so some of the jokes may not translate well, uh, of course, because it's in the native uh, language. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'll definitely give this a watch. Uh, looks like the, ca- the comedy really blends well with this film. I agree. Um, I really like the trailer. Uh, looks like to be a lot of action, very high action packed. And uh, so it, it actually um, made me excited to watch. I can't wait till it releases here to the U.S. Most definitely, most definitely. And it's very rare that you see uh, Israeli based horror films. I think there's only about a handful. Janice says she's seen your daughter. My daughter has been dead for a very long time. She was taken from us at an early age. We prayed to see our beloved girl again. The contact started small. But then it wanted permission to move into a doll so that it could be with us forever. The trailer for Annabelle Creation dropped earlier this month and the director is David F. Sandberg and the film is written by Gary Dauberman. The synopsis for Annabelle 2, that was the original title. Right now this film is titled Annabelle Creation and the synopsis reads as follows. Several years after the tragic death of their little girl, a doll maker and his wife welcome a nun and several girls from a shuttered orphanage into their home, soon becoming the target of the doll maker's possessed creation, Annabelle. Now, let's see. I know that the this trailer, Alien, and it were the hot topics in the horror cinema community. And they, this news of these three trailers have been popping up everywhere from YouTube, across the board. Everybody's talking about it. My opinion of Annabelle Creation. I don't think this is a very good film. 
And I'll tell you why. There's so many cliches in this film. It is such a typical presentation. And of course, you cannot judge a film by a trailer. But you could see in the synopsis, you could see from the intricate cuts in the trailer, from the camera work, to the coloring, to the acting, to the dialogue, you could dissect how this film is going to transform on screen. Trailers are supposed to entice. That's why they cut out the good clips so that way they could attract audiences into the seats in the uh, movie theaters. Another Dao movie, do we really need this in horror cinema? And with the debacle of Annabelle 1 a few years back, I'm surprised that they just want to keep milking a franchise that the first episode, that's like The Incredible Hulk, what Marvel did with The Hulk, two bad renditions, and they come up with another one. The same thing with Spider-Man. Come on, if you didn't do it right the first time, what makes you sure, sure the second go-around is going to be better? Just leave it alone. And with that said, Stacy, what is your opinion on this trailer, Annabelle creation? Oh, Annabelle. I think the, I think the uh, biggest question is, do we really need another Annabelle movie? Uh, um, as you mentioned, like the first Annabelle movie, I was highly disappointed. You know, she had her 15 seconds of fame in The Conjuring, and that's what, you know, got us excited for uh, uh, Annabelle movie, you know, her own movie, thinking we're going to get that same vibe. It's going to be creepy, you know, and that movie was such a disappointment, such a disappointment. It was rushed. It was predictable. And I just shook my head at it. Like, so now talking about an Annabelle sequel, uh, why? That That's my good, question. I yeah. mean, like the first movie, when the first movie flops, what I mean, what's to say that a second movie needs to be made? Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And I know that we are the voice of many in the horror community that share the same sentiment. Why another Annabelle? Uh, Part one, I remember I attended the midnight screening for Annabelle. And let me tell you, when the audiences left that theater, they were grumbling in disappointment. They were furious of what they had seen because it was like a waste of time. And this is a screening. Most, the whole audience did not pay to watch the show because it was like a private screening. People wanted their money back and it was for free. <laughs> you know, it's wow. And David Sandberg. Do you uh do you recognize this name, uh Stacy David Sandberg? David Sandberg. Yes, I do recognize that name. He's the director for Annabelle. 
He directed the 2016 uh, version of Lights Out. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> that, you know, that explains it all. Exactly. And you see uh, Lights Out 2 is coming. Really? <laughs> exactly. That explains it all. Yes. Then Lights Out was uh, the most one of the worst horror films ever i mean talk about cliche that was horrible cliche and don't get me wrong the concept was great the short film lights out amazing creepy as hell but once you get so many hands involved from hollywood yeah sure you're, you're gonna be the director of your project but it has become so diluted that you got something so good as a short film it transferred over to big screen and now it's crap and now we have more crap with annabelle too i'd like to offer thirty thousand dollars to the first person that can show me definitive proof of life after death i know that most people are going to be full of this. i could talk to dead people i get possessed by this nazi soldier in this whole city maybe i find one who can prove it to me just to know for sure and change everything we go on released on february 7 2017 in japan the drama horror thriller is directed by jesse holland and andy mitan they also write the script produced by untethered films and lightyear entertainment the cast stars annette o'toole clark freeman john glover giovanna zacharias laura Heisler and Jay Dunn. The synopsis, paralyzed by fear of dying, Miles Grissom is offered reward money to the first person who can show him a ghost, an angel, a demon, anything to prove to him that we go on after our deaths. He narrows the responses down to three viable candidates, a scientist, a medium, and a worldly entrepreneur. And all, and along with his protective mother, he embarks on an adventure through Los Angeles that will spiral into an unthinkable nightmare. The We Go On trailer is very intriguing, a supernatural paranormal that follows Miles Grissom, portrayed by Clark Freeman, who goes on a wild search for proof of paranormal beings. The trailer has a bit of creepiness factor to it. Ken, have you seen this trailer? Yes, I'm very impressed with the trailer. It has a, is very moody. And um, yeah, when you see the protagonist looking at the footage on his computer, um, I'm just hoping that doesn't look like a found footage piece right there. But a uh, very interesting concept to see a skeptic looking for proof of the unknown that's a that's very interesting i think i think this is an original concept uh how did the trailer grab you i actually have to agree um i was very taken aback by the trailer and i want to see the movie i want to see more and um when i first watched it i was i was like oh not another found footage film not another documentary you know 
But then when it showed that he was actually looking at other documentaries, I'm like, okay, that's such a relief because uh, uh, documentaries or found footage films, not all of them are that good. And if this was going to go that route, I was thinking like, okay, this is going to be a disappointment. But the trailer, I don't know, the trailer is just very intriguing. It really captures me, it captures my attention. This is an original idea, just like you said. And I actually got goosebumps, you know, watching the trailer. I'm like, this could be one of the first paranormal films since The Sixth Sense, you know, to come out. It's very exciting. Yes, I, I definitely agree. This this looks like a very serious, well-made film. Uh, that, you know, the dialogue, the, the way they're acting, the exchange, the concept. Very interesting. I like I enjoy the concept. So I'm going to keep my eye out for We Go On. And uh, hopefully we get a chance to review this film. Uh, I would like to give it a piece of my mind. Uh, very interesting. Cool. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to another DK Mag podcast. I'm your host, Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com. And be sure to catch our broadcast on iTunes. And joining me as co-host is... Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. And remember, we're on Stitcher. Be sure to rate and review DKMag on Stitcher rating and reviews and help us rank. And of course, we are across all social platforms, Facebook, Google, Twitter... You name it, uh, Pinterest. Uh, yeah, I think that much covers it. Just search in DK Mag, D E C A Y M A G, DK Mag, and also visit our website where we feature articles of all the latest news, interviews, reviews uh, covering horror, thriller, and sci fi. Thank you for listening.